BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. It is possible that there's a method to the Democrats' madness. I'm skeptical. I think they're being played by the, by the no-labels, uh, problem-solvers, uh, you know, uh, hedge fund billionaire crowd. But it is possible that what Biden and Schumer are trying to do and have been trying to do for the basically five months that they've been running things, shall we say, is prove to the American people beyond any shadow of a doubt that the Republicans don't negotiate in good faith and then use that proof to build a broad consensus across the Democratic base at at the very least that it's now time to blow up the filibuster and start getting some things done. Now, uh, like I said, this is best case theory, but that's what I've been hoping. I don't know. We'll see where this all goes. It's going to be a tough one. And I realize that by even raising this, what it does is it brings out of the woodwork all the folks who are like, you know, a pox on all their houses people. You know, Democrats are just the same as Republicans. I don't want to hear that, right? If you're going to call in and try and tell me the Democrats are the same as Republicans, I'm going to cut you off because they're not. The Republicans are playing a blood sport here. The problem is that the Democrats are not are not fighting back with this, the same level of weaponry. Now, I, they, I don't think they should be using the same weapons, but without the same level. But the Democratic Party and the Democrats generally do stand for a lot of positive and progressive things and have accomplished a number of them so far this year, by the way. You know, it's, it's time to get some stuff done or, or the 2022 election is going to be a bloodbath for Democrats. Your thoughts on... The Department of Justice and Merrick Garland, you know, should he be fired or should he be replaced or should he simply change his policies? I'm hoping that the Department of Justice will stop defending Donald Trump. I'm just hoping. Is the situation in Florida with Ron DeSantis saying, you know, if you're going to teach in our colleges, you have to register your political opinions with the state first. Is this going to spread to other states? You know, like the crazy election stuff coming out of Arizona is. Do you have any thoughts on the best way to lobby Kristen Sinema? I think that's, that's fascinating. And how do we deal with the hate? They're not even trying. Ronald Reagan at least said, we've got new ideas. We're going to try something that's never been tried before. It had actually been tried back in 1920. 
during the Harding administration, trickle-down economics. They called it the horse and sparrow theory back then. But anyhow, Reagan presented it as something brand new. We've got new ideas. Give lots and lots of money to rich people and big corporations, and it'll all trickle down to the average Joe and Jane. Well, they're not even trying anymore. When was the last time that you heard the Republican Party present an idea? Or for that matter, can, you know, if you're a Republican, can you share one with me? Why would you vote for the Republican Party unless it's that you're all about white men basically ruling the world? Because it seems to me that that's what the Republican Party has become. It has become what the Southern faction of the Democratic Party was pre-1965. The old Dixiecrats. Basically, a party full of white racists. And that's the animating principle. Whether it's brown people from south of the border that they're freaked out about, or black people in our cities that they're freaked out about, this has become the Republican Party. Now that said, there are apparently a few sane Republicans. Senator Ed McBroom, the Republican of Vulcan, Michigan, he is a state senator in the state of Michigan, just released a 35-page report that the Republicans conducted in Michigan. Now, keep in mind, it's the Republicans in Arizona who are, you know, who brought in the face alien guy and the QAnon guy. Face alien guy is making a movie about it. The QAnon guy is running the audit, the so-called audit. That's Republicans in Arizona. The Republicans in Michigan said, let's look into these charges. And they took all of these wacky conspiracy theories that people like Mike Lindell, who just came out and said, we're going to have a beautiful inauguration for Donald Trump in August. Don't you worry. It's going to be wonderful. The Supreme Court is going to vote nine to nothing to put Trump back on the throne. So anyhow, the Michigan Republicans just released a 35-page report that basically says, our election was just fine in Michigan. There was no fraud. A quote of the final sentence of the report. Our clear finding is that citizens should be confident the results represent the true result of the ballots cast by the people of Michigan. The committee, and keep in mind, this is a committee dominated by Republicans. The committee strongly recommends citizens use a critical eye and ear toward those who have pushed demonstrably false theories for their own personal gain. Can you say Donald Trump or Mike Lindell or any of these guys? AJ in Gainesville, Florida. Hey, AJ, what's up? I wanted to mention two quick points, Tom, and that is that you always talk about accountability and how Democratic presidents, incoming Democratic presidents, never hold anyone accountable. That is so true. Speaking of Nixon, there were two shysters that actually became famous because of their dirty dealings with him and the fact that they were never held accountable. Gordon. Paul Manafort and Roger Stone. Oh, okay? yeah. Because they were never held accountable. They were able to ride the wave in 2016 to push in the former president. Well, okay? you know, you know, the name of the PR firm. And it was also uh, what's his name who said you can't use the N word anymore. you got to talk about taxes. The three of them had a PR firm, and it was Manafort, yeah. Stone, and drawing a blank on his name. But anyway, yeah, and that PR firm yeah, was, was working for Richard Nixon. Yeah, it was the Blackstone Group or something like that. But I'll tell you, and the other point that I wanted to make, and I think this is always overlooked, they talk about the 10 counts of obstruction of justice that Mueller uncovered that really I think this former president should have been impeached for, okay? But people forget 
During Mueller's historic testimony on the Hill after his investigation, Val Demings was able to pull out of him that the former president had lied when he answered those questions. And people forget that. And every now and then you'll see the video. I'll see the video online where she's asking him, Mueller, was he tr- asking if the former president was truthful in answering his 50 questions? Right. You know, those 50 questions. Right. And Mueller said, mostly not was his answer. Correct. In other words, he lied. Right. Trump and lied. Nothing was ever. Right, Trump lied. Nothing was to ever done about it. They had it on a silk. Yes. They had it on a silver platter and walked away from it. Yeah, I uh, completely agree, AJ. And why this Justice Department is not pursuing this, I don't get. I mean, if the French can go after former President Sarkozy, if the Israelis can go after Benjamin Netanyahu, why can't America go, you know, when they've had a criminal president and a criminal prime minister, why can't we go after our criminal president? AJ, very well said. Thank you so much for the call. Lee in Tallahassee, Florida. Hey, Lee, what's up? Tom, I have a question that I'm hoping you can answer for me. I've been thinking about this for a long time. Why can't we pass a law that people running before they run are vetted so that we know who they are, Right. really know who they are? The essence of your question, Lee, is one of the reasons why there's such a push to require, for example, candidates to release their taxes. I I believe it was California passed a law, or maybe it was a town in California, county, that passed a law saying that you couldn't be on the ballot unless you released your taxes. I think that got struck down by a court, though, because, you know, you have the First Amendment right to speak, but you also have the First Amendment right not to speak and not to disclose things. And the problem with, uh, you've you've correctly identified a a challenge for us, shall we say, in 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 an advanced democracy. But the problem is that if we were to say, let's set up a government agency, the Agency of Honest Politicians, the Office of Honest Politicians, and their job is to look into the past of anybody who wants to be a politician and basically vet them to determine whether or not they understand how government works or whether they're corrupted by uh, affiliations of the mafia like Donald Trump um, or Richard Nixon or by, uh, you know, big money or whatever. The problem is that you get a president like Donald Trump who comes in and he gets control of that agency and suddenly that agency starts saying Democrats can't run for office anymore. What do you do? But Tom, if we had that agency Trump would not have been able to run. In theory, but I think that Trump's shortcomings were well known. I mean, the grab them tape was out before the election. People still voted for Trump. His having paid off these two women to have sex with him, that was out before the election. Uh, You know, the fact that he was a grifter, that his, uh, in fact, his charity had been busted before the election, as I recall. I'm pretty sure it was before the election. I don't think people in America didn't know who he was. They just wanted somebody who was going to blow things up, and that's what he promised. I think the people in New York knew who he was, and possibly Florida. Yeah, certainly they did in New York. I didn't know how bad he was. I didn't know that these things were happening, and I'm fairly confident in well, in, we, in, in that regard, Lee, we do have an agency that is supposed to vet political candidates, and it's called the Fourth Estate of the Media. I think that probably you and I could agree that the media fell down pretty badly 
with Donald Trump. You had, you know, the, the president of CBS, Les Moonves, coming out there, you know, going out on that call with his shareholders saying, well, Donald Trump might be terrible for America, but he sure is good for CBS. Keep it up, Donald, you know, making us some money. John in Portland, Oregon. Hey, John, what's on your mind today? I'm a naysayer. I mean, what we've been doing and what you've told us to do in terms of taking power back in this country hasn't been working. We lost the vote yesterday. Corporations can use slaves over, you know, overseas. We already use them here in prisons. Yeah. And obviously... The, we got a lot of work the, to do, the, John. We, you know, that doesn't mean that we throw our hands up in the air and go, oh, woe is me. Come on. No, absolutely not. But my point is, is that we need to be way more aggressive with what we're doing. Well, that was my we rant in the first start. hour is, you know, Merrick Garland, stop rolling over for Donald Trump. Yeah, wasn't Merrick Garland the same guy who Obama tried to appoint to the Supreme Court, but the completely same failed to? Yes. And rolled over? Right. So right now, the Supreme Court's illegitimate. I agree. Totally illegitimate. I agree. Okay. I wrote and a book about I mean, it. I agree. Yeah, I know. It's sitting right next to my copy of uh, A History of Oligarchy and Monopoly yeah, well, in the U.S. You. Yeah, I bought it at Pell. So what I need to talk to you about is you need to start enumerating a list of really aggressive tactics that mm-hmm. people can adopt. And I don't just mean calling Congress people right. because that's useless. And I don't just mean voting because that's completely just gerrymandered. Well, neither of those things hell. are useless. They're just not magic bullets. And, They're not working. And- they're not well, working right you know, now. we control the, the White House, the House, and the Senate, at least in theory. Uh, you know, there's this barrier of the filibuster, but that's been around for, you know, if 150 we control years. It, if we control it, if we control it, how come we're not getting anything done? How come we don't have Medicare for all? How come we don't have housing for all? How come we just lost the For the People? Well, we're, we haven't, we haven't lost the For the People Act, number one. And, and you know, I mean, let's, let's revisit that conversation in a month. I am not a fan of incrementalism, John. You know, I mean, I've, you know, I supported Bernie in the primaries in, in both the last primaries and, and well and Elizabeth Warren also in the last one I would like to see change more rapidly but you know despair is not an option we we can't just like I said we can't just throw up our hands specifically what we should do I I don't know if you caught the the segment that we had a week or so ago with the guys from uh, indivisible on this program indivisible.org is a great organization and if you want to have a lot of impact I strongly recommend that you sign up with them and at the very least get their emails and see what they're up to and the point that they're making is oh, that no. is that over the next week or so you know during this congressional recess that's the time to really really heavily lean on every senator in the united states senate about blowing up the filibuster and it, it, you've got reverend barber now who is marching in dc today on on joe manchin's office you've got Kirsten Cinema's offices being occupied in in Arizona, in, in yeah, Phoenix. Yes, you know, I yes. mean, you know, ten people got arrested yesterday. These, you know, these voters are saying enough already. You know, we're not going to take this anymore. Now, you and I are very fortunate living here in Portland. We've got a progressive city and a progressive state, a good, reasonably decent or good uh, governor and good state legislators. We're not, uh, you know, pulling our hair out altogether. We got Ron Wyden and, and Jeff Merkley, you know, one of the most progressive members of the Senate. But there's still there's still a lot we can do. And that would be my. We need it in West Virginia. We need that same kind of energy in West Virginia. I agree. And, and it is showing up in West Virginia. It is. I was speaking with a friend of mine who lives in West Virginia just a couple of days ago. People are pissed. Thank you, John. Sandra in Omaha, Nebraska. Hey, Sandra, thanks for watching us on YouTube. What's up? I just was thinking that if Garland can't do the job, which he seems to be pussyfooting around an awful lot, 
I would sure love to see Katie Porter step into that role because oh, she's wow. got the Rottweiler approach that I like. She <laughs> and does. She's got, yeah. <laughs> and she does the research. She knows exactly what she's going after when she goes after them. So Her presentation, she comes across as such a sweet person, you know, and so, yeah, this school so mom, she wouldn't hurt a fly. Yeah. So unthreatening. <laughs> and then she just sticks the shiv in, you know, it's like, she's so yeah. good. Oh, I'm such a Katie Porter fan. If she could represent me here in Oregon, I, I mean, I've got well, a pretty good representative with Earl Blumenauer, yeah. but uh, I can't think of anybody else in Congress who is, who is as good. Maybe, maybe Elizabeth Warren and yeah. uh, Kamala Harris did a pretty good job of that stuff when she was in the Senate, yeah. you know, taking on Republicans yeah. and, and making them eat their Katie own words. I think Katie has that, that tenacious aspect to her that once she gets her teeth in, she does not let go. Yeah, yeah. Now, you're in Omaha, Nebraska. Who yeah. is representing you in the House? Oh, Ben Sass. Oh, Ben Sass. Ben in the, Sass in, uh, the in the Senate and um, Bacon in the House. Oh, my. Yeah, so just it, Republicans all the way around. So is is no, it all Republicans all across Nebraska? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. I mean, Do you, you see can't. that changing, Sandra? No. Why is that? No. I just think people are so ingrained in what they, their families have always done, their mothers and fathers, their grandparents and on back. They always voted Republican. I'm a Republican. I'm going to vote Republican. I mean, you could put dog excrement up on the ballot and they would vote for it. But I'll bet you Nebraska, up until probably the 1960s, 70s, maybe the 80s, was entirely Democratic. Most of the West was. Um, they were we all had FD, Democratic big fans governors. of FDR. Yeah. Yeah, we had Democratic governors, but Republicans have just taken hold to where, and I'm afraid that's that way all over the country. Uh, I think they've winnowed their way in like a virus, and there's just no, I don't know, I don't know what to do to get rid of the virus other than take a full-out, you know, chemotherapy approach to it. Yeah. But, well, a lot of it, you know. I suspect, has to do with money. They've got these uh, state policy oh, yeah. institutes that, uh, you know, the, uh, the Koch brothers and, and their network yeah. of billionaires have installed in all 50 states. Every state has one yeah. of these policy uh, groups uh, and and they churn out information and disinformation. And then, of course, you've got the U.S. Chamber of Commerce pumping this stuff out. Yeah. Um, well, and then they write the laws, and then they tell the, the, the elected representatives, "Here, put this on the ballot." Right. That's Here, Alec. Put this forth in you know in Congress. They yeah. don't do any of. I mean, our elected people don't do anything. Yeah. They just take whatever the the Republican uh, mindset tells them to, and they go for it. You know, no yeah. thought required. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sad. It's a sad commentary on our state of affairs, and I I hope the Democrats can get their act together with regard to media in this regard. Yeah, Again, I, I I'm willing to bet that there's not a single progressive radio station in the state of Nebraska. No, no, have I to, have to get yours. Yeah, you'd have to you know, get us from YouTube. YouTube or, yeah, you yeah. watch us on YouTube or Free Speech TV yeah. or, or Sirius XM, but local stations, yeah. it's a wasteland yeah. out there. You're that uh, one shining light of sanity. <laughs> well, bless you, Sandra. Thank you. Sandra, i got to run, but thank you for the call, and thanks All for right. watching us on YouTube. Sure. It's great talking with you. Tom Harvin here with you and uh, Norma in Montgomery, Alabama. Hey, Norma. For those who don't know, this was, to a certain extent, it was, you could call, common knowledge 10 years ago when LinkedIn did a documentary on this. They also talked about 
how these children are sold. They're captured anywhere in Africa and sold, and they want them as young as possible because their fingers are small, and they can pick the beans and the berries, and this has been going on for years. And so a lot of us, particularly Bernie people who know this, we have been boycotting Nestle products for over 10 years. We don't buy anything made by Nestle, which means you do a little bit of research. This is the only way to make them take notice that we don't appreciate their activities, whether it's here in the States or overseas, is you do not buy anything from their products. It's just like right now, um, we're standing in line at Walmart for a cashier because we refuse to be unpaid employees of the Walden family for not, uh, for... For the uh, self-checkout stuff? Yeah. Yeah. You have to make people pay attention to what you think and what you feel. And if you don't do anything, you're just sitting there taking it and you become complicit in this crime you don't you, this guy said we need to be more aggressive in what we do yes we have to get involved if you haven't if you've never been to your city council you're not involved if you're not watching your county commission you're not involved and this is the only way that we the people is to do anything those of you who eat cashews have you ever bothered to find out how it what is required to get the single nut off of that plant the entire plant is toxic you can eat the nut the cashew nut but the rest of the plant if you work there every day it'll eventually eat your skin up and it it can kill you this is how bad bad it is but most people don't know this they don't do any research they don't read and until you can wake up people and teach them that you are benefiting for the abuse by the abuse of other human beings and you don't care then don't call yourself a human being you're not yeah, yeah. It's just, this is this is why when I saw the the article about this uh, this uh, Supreme Court ruling and, and I'm astonished it didn't get wider publicity I mean you know, there's of course a, not it was done on Saturday and and you would be hurting Nestle if you talked bad about them right don't you remember Pennsylvania coal versus Mahan yeah. you can't make a company do anything decent yeah. You know, like covering their coal cars so that the farmer didn't have it, lose everything he had. Plus you can't was, interfere with them. Plus it was Juneteenth, and it seems that our, our mainstream media, by and large, can do a maximum of three or four stories a day, maybe five at the most. And, uh, and when there's a big story, it just consumes everything. Uh, well, the only way to fight this is to never, ever buy anything made by Nestle. It's like you don't want to buy Oreo cookies because they're made in Mexico. That job left. Your carrier uh, air conditioners left. Remember Trump giving them money to stay here? Yeah. And they left anyway? Yep. Where is Harley Davidson? If you don't, you have to stand up as an individual and try to teach your fellow people that this is what is being done to you. And your only recourse is to get involved, speak out, teach. Yeah, I, I got asked again Monday morning to please run. I will be 71 in, in August, Tom. I got a pacemaker in April. I'm looking at this young guy. I said, what is wrong with you? Why don't you stand up? Why don't you run? Well, I, I said, don't you have a spine? Don't you have any courage? Don't you care about what will happen to your children? Do you want your children treated like these, treated overseas? I tried to explain to a white person that June 10th gives black people the legal right to celebrate the end of slavery. And they looked at me like, what? Really? 
they have the legal right now. And here in Alabama and Mississippi, we're still celebrating Confederate Memorial Day. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, Norma, you are you are not just you know one of my favorite callers, but also an extraordinary activist and a person who I have so much respect for. And Tom, all I have is a mouth. Yeah, well, that's all I've got. I'm not rich. I'm not powerful. I'm not socially acceptable. But I have a mouth, and I'm not going to sit down and shut up. God bless you. <laughs> God bless you, Norma. Norma, thank you so much. It is right. always great to hear from you, Bill in Clifton, New Jersey. Hey, Bill, what's on your mind today? I was really outraged when I heard McConnell use the word states' rights. Did McConnell say that? I heard Chuck Schumer say that the arguments that the Republicans are making are the same arguments that were being made by the so-called states' rights advocates back against the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act in 1964 and 65. Did McConnell use the phrase states' rights? I believe I, I had heard him say that. If that, so, I missed uh, it. Yeah, I, I think he actually used the term, the principle of state. Oh, he right? did. Actually, you're right. I heard part of McConnell's speech, and he did say that this should be left up to the states. You're right. So he might not have used the phrase states' rights. He was making the argument. Yes, you're absolutely right. And the yeah, Constitution I mean, is very clear that the federal government can control federal elections. It's very clear. Well, it would have been thought that when the Constitution was written, since everything is for democracy, they left out parts of the states so they can enhance democracy so they can get more people voting yes. so that they, they knew what on a local level needed to be done. But yeah, Congress was always overseeing or in charge of elections. Well, you know, and the, the last background. time Congress passed a law that regulated federal elections and, and had a $5 billion gift to the voting machine companies mm -hmm. attached to it, was in 2002. Mm -hmm. It was pushed by George W. Bush and the Republicans. It was called the Help America Vote Act. I mean, right, it's, right, it's not right. like we haven't legislated federal elections. We did it in a huge way. In fact, that right. I mean, that was when they invented the whole provisional ballot scam, you know, where you, right. you, you show up, you're not, you know, if you've been purged from the voting rolls like they do in red states, they hand right. you a provisional ballot that you, you know, it's a placebo ballot. You think it's going to be counted, right. and in most cases it isn't. So, yeah, Bill, right, spot on. Also, the Senate does nothing but promote states' rights because it represents the states against the House, which represents the people. That's an excellent point, too. And it's the problem, too, which, is that, you know... Which is why I always said we should get rid of the Senate, but you really can't get rid of the Senate because it would have to vote itself out of existence. And if people were good enough to vote out of existence, it would be filibustered anyway. No, it's why, I mean, you know, I, I heard on the news yesterday that New York City if it were a state, would be the 10th or 11th largest state in the United States. And if that's the case, New York City should become its own state. I mean, you yeah, know, it's, well, Southern California should become its own state. We, you know, and then we yeah. add D.C. and we add uh, Puerto Rico and boom, you know, uh, you've got a more representative mm -hmm. Senate. So there are things that, that we yeah. should be doing. And yeah. I think D.C. statehood is a really important place to start. I, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that New York State is not going to let go of Manhattan. Or, or the, and right. the boroughs, you know, it's, it ain't going to happen. But, right. but uh, to your right. point, Bill, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Right. Bill, I got to run, but thank you for the call. From Bill in New Jersey to Bill in Virginia. Hey, Bill, in Richmond, Virginia, you're on the air. What's up? The thing I was noticing was I read in the Washington Post, there was a survey or poll that Monmouth University made. And it goes through and talks about all the different aspects of voting, uh, about early voting and, and drop boxes, et cetera. And the two things that stuck out to me that was so funny was, was that, well, not funny, but kind of contradictory in terms, maybe, is that one of the more popular things there was was about early voting. 
Yeah, and mail-in voting, too, but, among Republicans. Yes, but the second most popular thing at 80%, I was having a voter ID. It was more popular with blacks than it was with whites. I cannot uh, verify that? that that's what that study actually said, but this desire to have voter ID that you know has been at the core of Republican politics for a long, long time is you know the result of years and years and years of yelling and screaming about voter fraud. The reality is that prior to voter IDs, which came along in a big way in the states in the eight, in the 1980s, 90s, and early 2000s. Prior to that, we had a much more secure system. It's really easy to buy a fake ID. You can't fake a signature. So you show ID when you register, and then you record your signature, and then they compare your signature in the future. Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archive. And this is what we use here in Oregon for mail-in voting is our signature. You, You sign the back of the envelope. It's a biometric. It's harder to fake than a fake ID. It's amazing. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Alejandro in Miami. Hey, Alejandro, what's up? Our Governor Ron DeSantis, besides undermining the code relief efforts, he's also undermined the Constitution. He is yet what you just told me to what you just said today on the radio about him asking for the political opinions of mm-hmm. professors. I'm like, what? Stalin going to do some purges or something? Like that's very disturbing. That's a First Amendment. That's what we call in the legal case law a chilling effect on speech on the First Amendment yes. on, under both Florida constitutional law and U.S. constitutional law. Because once you start identifying, you know, whose politics are, you know, which professors' politics are, you know, you're going to discourage professors from a certain, you know, uh, political, you know, viewpoint like liberals from applying to that college. You're going to make all the colleges conservative because no one wants to be outed like that or have that in consideration of their hiring. And of course. What does that mean that the governor is trying to influence the curriculum of the schools in interfering with independence? That's the whole point, the- Alejandro. That's the whole yeah. point. You know, how dare we? We've got liberal professors. It's what, what's amazing is the Republican Party has come back to one of the big talking points that Ronald Reagan ran on, which was pointy headed liberals in our colleges. And I don't know if you're old enough to remember that, but I remember it vividly. And you know, they, it's like everything old is new again. Alejandro, thank you. Spot on. Carl in Detroit. Hey, Carl, what's up? 
time. How are you doing? This is my first time caller. I'm calling on the mirror, Garland. Uh, I I think he's he's not partisan. He's walking, trying to walk a tightrope and, and and not seem partisan. And I think he should. We need a bulldog as an attorney general and prosecute the crime, no matter if they're a Democrat or or a Republican. Just like Bill Clinton, like he said in the Paula Jones, they had a young lady who refused a subpoena. The Justice Department, they prosecuted her, and she went three years in jail. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Who who refused to testify? Um, it, it is it is a very strange situation, and I agree with you. Uh, I, I you know Merrick Garland kind of comes across as Mr. Rogers, and we don't need Mr. Rogers right now at the head of the Department of Justice. Um, you know, uh, we need. I, I you know I'm trying to think of uh, you know a, a, a strong a historic. We need Bobby Kennedy. You know, back when Bobby Kennedy was running the Department of Justice and he was going after those those, uh, you know, the, the white racists down in the south and the lunch counters and whatnot. He was bringing a big club and he was speaking out loud and he was standing up for justice and he was standing up for the rights of people and for the rule of law. We need an attorney general like Robert Kennedy, not Mr. Rogers, in, in my humble opinion. Now, you know, Joe Biden has the right to appoint anybody he wants. I totally defend that. And I get it that he's trying to not politicize the Department of Justice the way that Donald Trump did, and I respect that. And therefore, probably he's not going to do anything about this, but hopefully some public pressure will cause Attorney General Garland to reconsider. He's got the capability, right? Garland knows how to go after people. I mean, you know, as I said, you know, he, he, he went after McVeigh back in the day. He could, he could certainly be doing this. Carl, I got to run, but thank you for the call. It's great to hear from you. Thanks for listening to us on SiriusXM. Glenn in Bethesda, Maryland. Hey, Glenn, what's on your mind today? Thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. We keep talking on the Democratic side about what the Republicans are doing. I'd like to offer a different take on this. How are they getting away with it would be a better question. And there's a simple answer. Years ago, they bought up the corporate media, whether it's MSNBC, ABC, CBS, or the rest, CNN, and they basically create the stories we talk about. And that's where I think we should be focusing on the left is that it's the corporations and their bought up media that are controlling the narrative. And I just want to give one quick example of what I'm talking about. Imagine Donald Trump had come down that escalator a few years ago and it said, I want to cut taxes. I want to raise taxes on corporations for a bit. And Mexicans are rapists and criminals. What would have happened? Well, immediately what would have happened is the corporate media would have gone after him and his 20 sexual assault, assaults, would have gone after his five bankruptcies, and would have kept playing that. And then the executives upstairs at all the cor- major corporate media would have gone down to their cameramen and their reporters and said, the next person, after that two weeks of going after him, would have said, the next person to put a camera on him and a mic on, on Donald Trump, has to look for a new job. And then he would have disappeared. Glenn, let me give you some evidence to support your theory. Okay. Back, I I forget what year it was that Howard Dean was running for president in the primary. Was that the 2004, 2008? I forget which election that was. It was 2004. Yeah, okay, 2004. Uh, Louise and I were watching MSNBC and Chris Matthews was interviewing Howard Dean. He was on the cover of Time Magazine that week. He was the number one contender for the Democratic nomination for president. Uh, 
And Chris Matthews said words to the effect of, uh, so you're in favor of breaking up uh, big corporations, uh, you know, uh, enforcing the antitrust laws. And Howard Dean said, yes, absolutely. And Chris Matthews says, well, what about the media? You know, our, uh, our, this network that we're on right now is owned by General Electric, which is not a media company. It's a giant multinational. Do you think that uh, we should be broken up and spun off? And Howard Dean said, absolutely. And Chris Matthews said, what? Are you serious? And, and Howard Dean was, yeah, yeah, the media should be broken up too. And I turned to Louise and I said, he's toast. He's screwed. Exactly. That's the end of exactly. Howard Dean. And it was eight or nine days later that the so-called Dean scream was promoted by the media as, oh, my God, Howard Dean has gone insane. And that which took him down. And so, yeah, I, you know, I get it. I don't think that it's always the case. I think it's occasionally the case. But I think you're right that when corporate America feels that their interests are threatened, they bite back. It shouldn't be an outrageous thing to say. I mean, it should be kind of common sense. Um, right, exactly. but, but, but the bigger problem, frankly, Glenn, or another problem, is that you know these, these right-wing memes start in fringe media and conspiracy sites. They then move over to Fox News. Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity promote them. Then they get picked up by the corporate media and the mainstream media. And then they become the things that we all debate. And, and on that, you are absolutely right. Glenn, thanks for the call. Cody in Everett, Washington. Hey, Cody, what's on your mind today? Love the show. I'm calling regarding the filibuster and the SB1 and other broadly popular legislation. Mm-hmm. So I understand that we have, you know, potentially more than cinema and mansion, but people are unwilling in the Democratic Party to remove the filibuster, which is an impediment to much of our legislative agenda as the Democratic Party. My suggestion would be that the rules of the filibuster be modified so that the filibuster can only be used post-debate. Oh, that's interesting. My take on it was that the filibuster should be modified to basically be the debate, (laughs) the the Jimmy Stewart filibuster. But, you know, I I suspect, Cody, that that nuance has been lost in this that, you know, things like my suggestion of a Jimmy Stewart filibuster, your, your suggestion that the, the filibuster not be able to be used on motions to proceed, but only be able to be used on actual votes on the, on the issue. Uh, I suspect that it's either going to get entirely blown up or not, and that we will know probably by the 4th of July, or actually we'll probably know by the 20th of July, you know, by, by the time Congress comes back, but we'll have to see. Reverend J.H. in New Haven, Connecticut. Hey, Reverend, what's up? Hey there, Tom. First, I want to thank you for all the hard work you do, because because of you and others, but because of you, the Democrats have the House of Representatives and the Senate. So I want to thank you for all the hard work you do. That's first. Thank you. Now, I want to, yes, sir, I, I want to encourage everyone that right now as we speak, the Poor People's Campaign with Reverend Barber, Reverend Leo mm-hmm. Harris, they have Senator Manchin, Stop the filibuster. Reverend Jackson's about to speak. His son's speaking. He says, Poor People's Campaign will march on Manchin and McConnell in D.C. If you go to Poor People's Campaign, no, poorpeoplescampaign.org, everyone, and go to thirdreconstruction.org, there's a resolution called H.R. 438, which deals with poverty and low-wage workers. That's been signed by um, Congresswoman Lee, also Congresswoman Chapal, the leading that. And our people need to know that there's a movement going on. There was a march on Manchin's office on June 14th by Reverend Barber and his people, mainly white people now, okay? Mm-hmm. Mainly whites. 
West Virginia. Is in West well, West Virginia, Virginia is like 97% white or something like that. I mean, it's huge, but. Yeah, and what's great about this is. I don't think it's 97, is, but it's, this, it's quite high. Yeah, but, but yeah, what's great about this, this coalition that Reverend Barber has to support this campaign, it's black, it's white, it's uh, coal miners, it's Asian, it's Native Americans, and it is a fusion coalition. So I want to encourage yeah. everyone to be encouraged. And li listen, if you go on YouTube, check this stuff out. He goes about low wages. We have 66 million poor white Americans. We have 24 million poor black Americans, et cetera. They're coming together. So please go to poorpeoplescampaign.org. Also go to the thirdreconstruction.org uh, and ask your congresspeople to support the resolution by Congressman Jayapal and Congresswoman uh, Lee. And uh, be encouraged. Things can get better. They are getting better. Thank okay? you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much, sir. Thank you. Great talk. Great with work. You. Appreciate it. Robert in West Dallas, Wisconsin. Hey, Robert, what's on your mind today? Hi, um, I wanted to uh, talk about the filibuster and the type of pressure that maybe Schumer or Biden can apply. It seems to me LBJ in the 60s got civil rights and other things passed by applying a lot of pressure. He did. So I, I guess what I'm wondering is, you know, why aren't they, you know, taking committee assignments away, uh, government contracts, closing bases, funding, things like that in order to pressure these folks to get them on board with reforming the filibuster or getting rid of it altogether? One of two things is going on, Robert, and I don't think we know yet which it is. Either the uh, Democrats, specifically, I mean, Joe Biden has the same kind of Senate background, not, not quite like Lyndon Johnson. Lyndon Johnson was actually the Senate majority leader for, for quite a while. Um, you know, he, he really knew how to knock heads. But Joe Biden was in the Senate for, what, 33 years, as I recall, something like that. Um, so, uh, you know, he, he understands how it works. So one of two things has happened. Either one, they are giving the Republicans all the rope that they want in the hopes that the Republicans will essentially hang themselves with it which is probably an old racist metaphor, but whatever. You know, you get the point. And that is, yes, we're going to try and work with you. Oh, you don't want to work with us. Yes, we'll try and work with you some more. Oh, you don't want to work with us. Yes, we'll try to work with you a little more. Oh, you don't want to work with us. Finally, they'll hit the point where they go, okay, we get it. You don't want to work with us. We'll just do this ourselves, which is what they did, you know, with the multi-trillion dollar COVID relief bill back, you know, a couple of months ago. So either they're playing that game and, and in the course of that, trying to build enough public support that when they blow up the filibuster, there won't be you know, widespread outrage, there'll be widespread approval. Or they're fixing to roll over like they did with Obamacare and, and just say, you know, okay, no public option, that's fine, we'll go along with that because they had to pass Obamacare by reconciliation. They weren't willing to blow up the filibuster to defend the public option. And I am hoping and praying, Robert, that they are not fixing to roll over. But this is in the hands really of two people, Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer. Those two are driving this train. It looks like Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin have a lot of power here. But as you correctly point out, Robert, the power that they have relative to the power that President Biden has and Senate Majority Leader Schumer has is tiny. And they could be closing bases, and they could be threatening. And by the way, you know, Schumer passes out millions of dollars to all the Democratic senators every year. He's got that, too. You're listening to Tom Hartman.
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Clay in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Hey, Clay, what's on your mind today? About Mitch McConnell. I guess you've heard him stand up in the Senate and say that this SR1 is going to Democrat Party power grab. Yes. How is it that nobody's confront him on that? Because it's just ridiculous. Did you hear Chuck Schumer's speech yesterday? I mean, he, he went right after him. I think they ought to just stand up and interrupt him. I mean, I know that's not proper procedure, but, I mean, that's just outrageous what yeah. he's saying. They'd get dragged off the floor if they did, and it's, you know, but, um, but yeah, which raises a larger question, Clay, you know, and in, in, in you're in Mississippi. Um, what, yes. What is your sense of the political climate in Mississippi? How is, you know, do you see change coming? Oh, no, not here. <laughs> I'm, no, you know, we, we have we have the religious right here. You know, it's it's infested with it. Yeah. Well, but we're seeing that, you know, attendance for for hard right religious churches is starting to slide. I, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm actually optimistic about the future here in this regard. It's, it's my, my sense of it is that, you know, all is not lost and, and that America is becoming more progressive and that. Um, you know, we've got some politicians, Mitch McConnell's probably a great example. We've got some, some politicians who are, you know, uh, still obstructionists, but I, I'm broadly optimistic. I, um, well, the problem I see is that, you know, McConnell will say stuff like this and then it gets news. It gets repeated on the news and right. there's no, you know, that's what people see. They don't see the rebuttal to it. Right. So, you know, that's why somebody needs to just call him out right then and there yeah. and ask him to explain how is that, how is that a power grab? Yeah. Well, you know, the Senate right. is not a, is not a talk show. <laughs> it's, you, you, yeah, don't, yeah. You, you don't interrupt each other, but I, you know, I get your point and, and I am, I am hopeful that we'll see more pushing back. Clay, thank you for the call. Uh, I, I appreciate it. Mark in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, you mentioned earlier about, uh, Ron DeSantis and his new book, bill or law that uh, passed in Florida about, uh, I guess, f- faculty and, and um, teachers have to uh, report their political affiliation. Right. What if they just report independent? You know, everyone just writes independent on there. They're actually, it's not political affiliation. It's their opinions on issues. 
I mean, it's like, it's not just, are you a Democrat? It's, it's uh, well, we don't know exactly what the questions are going to be. They haven't put together the survey yet, um, but they're, they're in the process now. I mean, they, they passed this law, and this was, you know, Republicans who control both the Senate and the House in the state of Florida. They passed a law uh, requiring uh, teachers and students to reveal their political, not, not so much, you know, which party they're aligned with, but, you know, the, uh, how, what their political thinking is. To make sure that there is no bias, that our, our young people are not being indoctrinated. And this is tough stuff. This is really tough well, stuff. I mean, it just seems that, uh, you know, in, you had a great section yesterday, I think, about critical critical thinking skills in, in other countries, such as Sweden and Finland and so forth. Yeah. We desperately need that here, desperately. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, if, if Biden can get the educational department together with a budget to, to fundamentally, you know, require that uh, critical thinking classes be taught in elementary school all the way up through high school, yeah. uh, we're, we're going to be on our way to a much more progressive future because then people are learning to think deductively, inductively, you know, all those different types of thinking skills that require logical and pragmatic decision-making that benefits people. And Finland's, um, Finland started that, as, as I was ranting about yesterday, and it, has, it is now moving into other European countries. Uh, here in the United States, we're still debating about whether to teach evolution. Right. You know, is but, the Earth 6,000 years old? I mean, that's... Well, what do you, I, I have a theory, a question for you, and, and I, I don't remember which founding father uh, was against the idea of political parties anyway. Virtually but, um, all of them, actually. It was James Madison who wrote against it in Federal, Federalist Number 10. Yeah. Well, what is, well, I'm just for sake of just a, a theoretical argument, what if all the Democrats suddenly said, okay, we're now Republicans, and they infiltrate the Republican Party, and they work at the local, state, and national level to influence progressive agendas based upon having access to Republican money, having access to Republican, you know, right. you know all that stuff. If it was just the Republican Party, you would have a brilliant strategy. And, and you know, it would be amazing. The problem is that there is a third par agency or party which has more employees than the Republican Party, has a larger budget than the Republican Party, has more offices than the Republican Party. This is the Koch network, right? This right-wing network of billionaires. And the Republican Party is really a wholly owned subsidiary of this network of billionaires. And you can't take that over. They own it. They are the billionaires. And that's why the strategy that you're outlining, which I, you know, on its face, in a pure two-party system would be brilliant, wouldn't work, sadly. Robert in Forest Grove, Oregon. Hey, Robert, thanks for listening to SiriusXM. Hi, Tom. What's up? October of last year, you wrote an article in your newsletter. It said the Republican Party is an organized gang of sociopaths. Yes, I did. Yes. And I, I stand I by it. That. Right. I have the scientific proof that your theory is correct. Um, <clears throat> it's an article. Um, it's a scientific article by Kent Keel, K-I-E-H-L. Okay. It's called The Criminal Psychopath, History, Neuroscience, Treatment, and Economics. Okay. The Criminal Psychopath, History, Neuroscience, Treatment, and Economics. It's about 30 pages long. It's a beautiful summary of what the psychopathic personality disorder is. Mm -hmm. It's 173 references. And I urge you... And what does this have to do with the Republican Party, Robert? 
Well, a psychopath is the same thing as a sociopath. They, yeah, they're general, basically the same thing. Generally, yeah. We used to call them the sociopaths. Now they're called psychopaths. Right. They're basically the same thing. Right. You can ask uh, Dr. Justin Frank about that, but it's basically the same thing. Yeah, no, he's talked about that a, on this program. Yeah, it's a person without a conscience, a person who is amoral. Right. And, and, the, and, and absolutely now. believes that the ends justify the means. Exactly. And but that they're, and that they're the only people in the world who count. Exactly. But yeah. there's been a lot of research on this. Since the MRI came along, they've done a lot of brain studies. And these people have abnormal, stru uh, have structural brain disease. And that's all outlined in this article. Also, the, um, Kent Keel wrote a book called The Psychopath Whisperer. Hmm. which discusses the thing, same thing. Yeah. But this article is, is really wonderful research, and it backs up your, your theory on this. Yeah. They do not have a conscience. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll have to check it out, Robert. Thanks for the tip on that. I, it's, it's great to hear from you. I appreciate it. Jennifer in Portland. Hey, Jennifer, thanks for listening to us on X-Ray FM. What's up? Sure, I just wanted to um, touch on something that uh, a woman called in and said that Nebraska has zero progressive radio stations in the entire and state I'm in the entire state and uh, i think that that that's the most critical issue facing our times is the fact that that people cannot get information anymore and until we can change that i can't see anything else changing it's the most important issue and to know that an entire state doesn't have one progressive radio That's not the only station where that's the case. That's the case in Alabama. It's the case in Mississippi. It's the case. Texas has one station that I know of. It's a Pacifica station. There are no commercial progressive stations, in, uh, to the best of my knowledge, in Texas. It's a barren landscape out there. I wrote an op-ed about this for The Nation back in December of last year and uh, laid out all the details with you know, links and everything. This, in my opinion, should be the top priority of the Democratic Party. When Air America happened, back in 2006, as I recall, a group of us, and I'm pretty sure Randy Rhodes was with me and there were a couple of other people, we went to Washington, D.C. to meet with a group of Democratic senators and members of the House also. Bernie was there. He was in the House at the time. And our pitch to them, at that time, we were on 46 stations across the country in major cities. So we had a real substantial presence across the country. And our pitch to them was that basically you all are in constant contact, regular contact, with very, very wealthy people who donate to the Democratic Party. You know who these people are. You have a better connection to them than we do. Would you please reach out to them and encourage them to build a progressive radio infrastructure or even a television infrastructure like the conservatives have with Clear Channel and Cumulus and, and Fox News and Sinclair Broadcasting? And Bernie was gung-ho for this. He was just totally there, and he doubled down on what we said. But several of the other members of the Senate basically said, this is not our job. This is something that should be done by the so-called free market. And I think that those senators, one of whom who were taking that position, one of whom later ran for president and lost, were shooting themselves in the foot, frankly. I, you know, this, this belief that, oh, you know, the, the marketplace will take care of everything. When you get billionaires walking in saying, you know, well, we'll buy 1,500 radio stations. That's not a free market at all. No, it's not. It's not. And shall we say discouraging? <laughs> but but uh, I, I hope 
that, you know, with this filibuster fight and everything else, I hope that the Democrats are starting to realize that what they're up against is not just Mitch McConnell and Republicans. It's Mitch McConnell and Republicans empowered by 1,500 right-wing radio stations across the United States, three right-wing television networks that, that cover the entire United States, and no really consequential opposition, at least in the commercial space. There is nonprofit opposition. Uh, you know, with Pacifica, there are some for-profit uh, progressive stations, and of course, free speech TV. But that's about it. And you've got X-Ray yeah. FM here in Portland. It's a nonprofit. Jennifer, I'm with you. Missed my opening rant today? It's usually published over at HartmanReport.com where you can read it and share it with your friends for free. Check it out, HartmanReport.com. Tom Hartman here with you and Mike in Lafayette, Indiana. Hey, Mike, what's up? Yeah, I was listening to Norma talking about who we deal with, who we buy from, and mm -hmm. what we buy. When she mentioned Nestle, it really, really perked my ears up because... I carry a small book with me whenever I shop. In fact, it's in the pocket, the side pocket of my Tom Hartman shopping bag. <laughs> okay. It's called The Better World Shopper. And I do believe it's by uh, New Society Publishers. Mm -hmm. Every time they come out with a new issue edition, which they'll new one will come out in July, mm -hmm. I go buy 10 of them at my local bookstore, get a 30% discount, and then pass them out to people. They'll pay it forward. Oh. Anyway, this thing, it rates companies... Not like consumer reports with what kind of product, you know, how good or bad is the product. No, they rate these companies on how well they treat people and the planet. Wow. And they've, they've got the list of the top 20 good companies, top 20 bad companies. Nestle's always near the top of the bad guys. Yeah. Anyway, they rate everything from gasoline to beer to chocolate to stores to banks, all kinds of stuff. So. I, the Better World Shopper, I highly recommend it. I'm completely unfamiliar with that. Better World Shopper, I will check that out. Mike, thank yes, you. And I, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it's by New Society Publishing. Yeah, yeah. It's out of Canada. I, I, I'll, I'll track it down. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, appreciate the call. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Maverick in uh, Edmonds, Washington. Hey, Maverick, what's up? Norma, what a great caller. Great well, Norma is an amazing the, activist. It's, I, I always pay a lot of extra attention when, she's, uh, when she calls in. Thanks, Norma, if you're still listening. Nestle, as you may remember, back in the early 1970s, was subject of a boycott. Does that sound familiar to you I, at all? I remember it well. We had a child early in the 70s. Our oldest was born in 73, and uh, as I recall, and uh, might have been 74. <laughs> it's so funny how that, uh, I'm pretty sure it was 73. And we were, you know, just adamant about this baby's going to be breastfed, going to be no Nestle product anywhere nearby. So, yeah, I remember it well in that way. Yeah, so Nestle has, uh, I guess my point is Nestle has a long history of not being a good company to people of this planet and this planet. Pure evil what they did. They convinced people in some third world countries that it was a more modern thing to do to use infant formula than to nurse a baby a natural way. And those way. people didn't have good water and so they were giving children diarrhea and, and killing them, basically. Uh, the, was, the parents were without realizing it. Yeah. That was half of the problem. But the more insidious aspect was once these women started using this formula, Nestle raised the prices 
and they gave it to him for free at first. Right. It was just like your corner, like your you know your heroin dealer from a seventies. Yeah, or the, show, or like the way the cigarette companies passed out uh, two cartons of cigarettes every month to everybody in the in the military during World War II. It's how my dad got addicted. <laughs> their breast milk dried up and they couldn't feed their kids anymore yeah <laughs> i mean it was it was evil so yeah. Yep, I'm with you. I, I remember i remember yeah, well now elizabeth in gerard ohio hey elizabeth what's on your mind today concerned about the crime rate that's going up in the uh, inner cities yeah joe biden's good and president I, biden's I, giving a talk on that today oh i hope he does but you know i live in a um suburb of youngstown and I know Youngstown has crime, but not anything like we've been experiencing. And then in our group that we go to and we put together marches and things like that against crime, I always bring up the fact, you know, the possibility that perhaps there's people coming into the community and committing these crimes and leaving back out. Mm-hmm. Because these, these crimes, it was every day, and Youngstown's only so big. One time there was the three one weekend, three people killed. And another the next day. What do you think about that? You know, whether crime is coming from without or from within, in my opinion, is almost beside the point. I think the real issue here is that when the middle class is strong, when people have jobs, when there's money circulating in local economies, crime goes down. When people don't have jobs or when the jobs that they do have don't pay enough to live on and people are just, you know, hanging on by their teeth or not, uh, not even hanging on successfully and you've got explosions of homelessness like we're seeing across America because inequality has gotten so massive, then you see more crime. And there's an absolute relationship between crime and inequality and it's completely missed by the media. That's my rant, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, thank you for the call. Thanks for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us, and that includes you. So, you know, like Norma, get out there, get active, tag, you're it. What a role model, huh? So we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.